0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Morning, church. How are we doing today? So yeah, we're Gabe and Kristen. Um, I've grown up in this church, been here basically my whole life, and I met my beautiful bride here in this church, and we've been married for over 12 years now. We have two beautiful boys, and... Um, yeah, it's really just a privilege for us to serve in this capacity, to lead the worship team, to lead the ministry, and um, I love worship, I love music, I've been doing this basically my whole life, and God was so kind and faithful when he brought Kristen to my life, because she's reluctantly joined me in this, she took piano lessons as a kid, she played music, and now she's just like a cornerstone of this band, and He joined us in that way, which is so special that we get to minister together and do this thing as a team. Um, We can go so much further together, amen? I say I got a three-fold cord, it's not easily broken, and um, so it's just really a privilege to minister as a team, as a couple, and to do this thing. And um, so yeah, we've been the worship pastors now, Uh, it's a big four years or so, I think February of 2019, we were set in. We've just been leading ever since that time, and it's really just a privilege to minister in the house and to, to carry this and to lead the team. And we're excited to be uh, teaching to this morning. It's been a really great series so far. And I, for us, it's exciting, right, because worship's our thing, right? So the higher we can all go and worship, like I say, when the water level rises, every boat floats higher, right? So we all want to go deeper in Him. We all want to understand worship more, go deeper in worship, So, it's exciting that we get to be a part of this series, and and this is actually the fourth week now, so it's gone really quickly. You want to say anything before I continue?
1: Just, I teach first grade, so if we're going a little long, or if you're getting bored, just start spinning around. I'll feel at home. I'll understand what's going on, (laughs) and we'll know to wrap it up. But no, that's all.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. So, yeah, the first week of the series, Pastor Danny uh, did a great job talking about praise, um just really good going through the seven Hebrew words that describe praise and what they mean. Um, And the idea that God likes to be praised, right? It's his idea. We didn't make this thing up. Worship and praise and all that. It's in the Bible. It's commanded by him. He wants this from us. It's it's something that we're called to do. And um, he gave the example of how at a sports event, right, we're all cheering and going crazy, and we're not afraid to let loose and be wild and free, and that's the kind of praise that God desires in the house, amen, he wants us to cheer for him as much as we'd cheer for our favorite sports team or at an event or whatever, so the idea of giving him praise, um, just a side note, if you've never heard the song Seven Ways to Praise by Carmen from the album Riot, which I believe is 2000, it's hilarious, but it's incredible because it actually goes through all these words and does a great job describing them, so just a little side note. Um, He missed an opportunity, I think, to to play that song. Uh, The next week, uh, Greg talked about true worship, worshiping in spirit and the truth, which is the why, right? We're all spiritual beatings. That's who we are. And we have to worship out of a response that's coming from the inside, okay? It's not just like what we know how to do because that's religion, right? Going through the motions, following the rules, doing the right things. Worship is a response on what he's done inside of us. That's the why we do this and we worship in every place that we find ourselves, right? It could be a sacrifice. It could be in victory, in battle, in our suffering, which is what we're going to talk about today. We worship in every place that we are, in spirit and in truth. And then last week, um, Greg again talked about modeling worship, which is, he used the uh, example of David, the return of the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, right? And how David was just unbridled in his way of worshiping, right? There was no inhibition. He let it all loose, almost literally. And he was just worshiping before the Lord with just no inhibition at all. And that's our call. is It's just to let everything else fade away. When we come in here to worship, like, the only reason that we're here is for him. Yeah. You know, it's not to enjoy music. It's not even to have a good experience. It's for us to bring who we are before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And to it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks Right? This is us and God, literally the God of the universe who's so worthy. And when we come into that place, and I'll admit, this is something that I struggle with. Um, I'm known as the straight guy in most circles, right? I'm really detail-oriented and kind of focused. And the idea of dancing and being crazy is not in my natural-born DNA, right? It's I struggle to do that. Luckily, I have a guitar. I'm playing drums most of the time, so I get away with not having to do it. <laughs> But he's so worthy of our praise. And when we have that revelation of who he is and what he's done, and we just respond naturally, it's okay to let loose and just be before him and let ourselves go. So Greg touched on that last week. And the other thing uh, he talked about last week was that our kids will now be in worship moving forward starting June 4th. And we're excited about that as a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, worship's our thing. Like we said, we've talked about that. We have always tried to keep our kids in here as long as we can. It's hard. Um, they're little they're busy they don't missi-
1: very sweaty and
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my arm goes numb because I'm holding them for so long right it's difficult but we want to develop a culture of worship from the ground up right we want every single child who's raised in this place to understand worship see worship modeled have experiences in worship excuse me we've heard many times that the The same Holy Spirit that lives in us lives in our children, right? It's the same size. Like, they have the same opportunity to come in and minister to the Lord and be ministered to by the Lord. So we're excited about that. So June 4th, that's going to start. All you parents, prepare yourselves. And uh, as we finished up the series, that's going to be one of the uh, kind of the takeaways is kids coming into worship. And then some other stuff we're working on with Greg and the team. So um, I'm just going to open in prayer before we get into our message this morning. And then uh, Chris is going to take it from there. Father, we just thank you, God, for your goodness. Lord, for your faithfulness towards us, God, for your love, your kindness, God. We thank you that we get this opportunity to be together in community, in your presence. God, we get the opportunity to come before you, God, and worship God, lay our lives before you, God. Lord, And as much as it's about you and giving you glory, God, you're so good, you're so faithful, and you always respond. Lord, in our moments of worship, you are there with us. And we just ask, Lord, this morning as we speak, God, that you would anoint this time. God, that every word that we say would be from you, God. And that you would help us to, Lord, just teach your people, God. And that we would all come up higher, God, in the realm of worship, God. That you would speak right to the issues that we need to touch on, God, Lord. And that every single ear would be open, God. That you would bless this time, God, Lord. That you would be glorified in Jesus' name.
1: So, we get the honor of speaking today on worship during difficult seasons. And Sarah, I knew the song she was doing, but I did not realize the direction necessarily that she was headed. And it was beautiful. It was perfect because it aligns so well with what we're going to speak on today. So, difficult seasons. So, when we are grieving or we are in pain, or addiction, or depression, or you just got that diagnosis, or offense. Those kinds of seasons are what we're going to talk about today. So let's take a step back and talk about worship. What is worship? So worship is ministering, first and foremost, it's ministering to the Lord. It's worship, worship is love expressed. It's expressing our adoration for the creator of the universe, it's lifting up who he is and his greatness. It's submitting our hearts, and I, this is a big one. It's submitting our hearts to the Father. It's expressing our overwhelming thankfulness for who he is and what he has done. But <laughs> that is so much easier said, and done, said than done, right? Because we're human. Um, a few years back, and actually I found out it's a little more than a few years. It was in 2007, Um, Pastor Don, he was the former pastor here at NTC Messina. He's now pastoring NTC Plattsburgh. He did a sermon series called Life Happens. (laughs) And uh, for me, that's the most relatable sermon series that could be spoken, right? Because life happens for all of us. The good, when we're up on the mountaintop, um, it's easier to worship. Maybe we got a promotion at our job or the new baby or you get married or you got a new house. Those mountaintops. Times where worship just comes na- a little more natural, right? Or the bad. So to me, the bad would be you, found, you find out you have, you, you get a diagnosis. Or your loved one dies. Or there's tragedy in one of your close friends' lives. Um, and then the ugly is offense or relational strife. Um, where times when worship is, feels counterintuitive. It feels the opposite of what your flesh wants to do. So that's what we're touching on today. And so how do we do that? So in 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9, it says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward of trusting him with yourself will be the salvation of of your souls. So what does that tell us? We'll be guaranteed what? Many trials, right? We're guaranteed many trials. But the start of that was to be truly glad. And it ended with rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. So how do we do that when we are (laughs) enduring many trials, right? By cultivating thankfulness. So I am a person who doesn't typically take things at face value. I want to know what it actually means. It sounds pretty <laughs> Cultivate by cultivating thankfulness, but what does it actually mean? So I looked up the definition of to, to cultivate. And if you are a farmer, you probably already are very familiar with this. But it means to take steps to grow something. It's an action. It's a verb. It's something you have to choose to do. It takes effort. And usually, it's not easy. However, why do farmers cultivate? Because it leads to growth. So we want to be, all of us, we want to be people who cultivate thankfulness for the Lord. So when we're hurting, when we're grieving, and we don't feel like it, how do we do that? So we we have some practical steps. The first being, you ask. You ask him, God, help me to be thankful in this situation. So you pray. And you seek. You make a choice to seek him. In Jeremiah 29, you know, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you hope in a future, not to, to, to destroy you, not to harm you. However, if you keep reading, it says, if you look for me with your whole heart, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. So we pray, we seek him, and there's different ways you can do that. You can read your Bible, um, you can just spend time being silent in his presence those kind of things. So pray, we seek, and then this one seems a little strange, we wait. <laughs> we wait on him. So the word here for wait that I'm, that I'm referencing is in the Hebrew, it's kava. <laughs> so what that means, it seems oftentimes waiting for us seems passive, right? Like we're waiting in a doctor's office, we're waiting for the nurse to come out and get us, or we're waiting in line at the grocery store and we're waiting until it's our turn or perhaps we are waiting on hold on the phone. In all of those instances, we're waiting on someone else, right? We're waiting on someone else to do something before we can act. But in this circumstance that I'm talking about, it's not passive. It's the opposite, actually. In Hebrew, it means to look eagerly, to expect, to hope. And my favorite is to gather strength. So, and even more, Literally, it means to bind together like a rope. So a thread all by itself, we know, it's not very strong, right? But when it's binded together like a rope, it's strong. So we're binding ourselves to the Father. We're drawing closer to him um, when we're in these situations, right? So Isaiah 40:31, in the English Standard Version, it says, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So if you've been around for a while, And you're like me, I instantly go to that song. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Anybody remember that one? I think it's Vineyard Worship. Um, So that is what we're talking about, when we renew our strength by waiting on him. Lamentations 325, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to those souls who seek him. So we pray, we ask, we seek, and we wait.
0: that song many a time. <laughs> um, so in the Bible, you know, it's not just a history book. It's filled with stories of people going through real life, right? This life happens idea, real life, it's been consistent throughout the history of time. And in the Psalms, which is the biggest book of the Bible, kind of the book of worship that we reference all the time, there's countless examples, right, of people going through difficult times, right? The writers are crying out, you know my circumstances are bleak, I'm being overrun by the enemy, you know, God save me, God maybe even take my life, it's so brutal, right? All these real life things. And um, they have grief, sorrow, anxiety that they express in song. And the thing about it is they never stay in that moment, right? They always, they come forward to God, they express their stuff that's going on, but then it turns, right? And they begin to recognize who God is, they Kind of come back to center and they say, Oh God, but you're so good, right? You're so glorious. You've done this for me. And um, I just want to reference this one moment in the Psalms. This is a story in the life of David. Now, David is a central figure in in the Bible, obviously. um, We've talked about him a lot, especially in this worship series. A little backstory on David David was actually a shepherd boy, he was minding his own business, but then the Lord decided to anoint him and choose him as the next king of Israel. Um, So he was anointed by the prophet Samuel, and then he kind of goes on this journey, right? He is being developed by the Lord, his character is being developed, and he kind of takes steps towards his destiny. He's got this promise from God, right? This big concept that, oh, I'm going to be the king of Israel, which is, I mean, I have promises from God, I'm sure you do too, but probably none of that magnitude that we're called to be a king of a nation necessarily. And um, so he begins there. And then he kind of finds his way into the courts of the king because Saul needs ministry. He's had these evil spirits that are kind of troubling him. And David is a skilled musician, songwriter, comes in. He ministers before Saul, and Lord the Lord um, takes the spirits away. So he's kind of found his way in. And then Goliath comes along, right? And David's the one who slays Goliath. So he's, again, he's being brought into this. And then he actually becomes the commander of, of the, the military, right, in Israel, He's being kind of led by God. He's being put in position. And that's when things kind of take a turn, right? David's successful in everything he does. God's anointing him, blessing him. And then Saul kind of takes notice, and he's getting jealous. He's getting nervous. And he's like, wait a minute. He kind of sees the writing on the wall, right? Like David is the guy, and my kind of stature is fading. And so he gets jealous of God. He wants to take David out, right? And so that's where we find ourselves right now is, is David, who's kind of a friend of the king. He's serving the king, doing the, all his the right things. And it kind of seems like he's taking steps towards his destiny even, right? Like, oh, maybe, you know, things are going to line up and Saul will appoint me or whatever, you know. Because often when we have promises, there's no timeline from God when we get a promise from him, right? We kind of try to figure it out and we grab onto it and we're thinking, oh, this is maybe how it could happen. We try to figure it out in our own strength. I'm guilty of that many times trying to figure things out you know and I can assume David was in that same place right trying to connect the dots and figure out how this promise could be fulfilled and um, but it takes a turn right and he finds himself on the run and Saul wants to kill him right and it's not like he could even let go of his promise right oh okay never mind I don't want to be king I'll be a shepherd it's fine I'll just make music in the fields by myself it's all good no he's either going to be king or he's going to be dead right that's where we're at it's pretty serious Um, So this story, it takes place in 1 Samuel 22, and you could read the story, but David's hiding out in this cave, and he's fleeing from Saul, okay? And this psalm, Psalm 57, um, he is what he writes while he's in the cave. It says, have mercy on me, oh my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God, most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. They spread a net for my feet. And I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit for my path, but I have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God. Above the heavens, let your glory be all over the earth. So we have David, right? Big promise, big big plan, big dream. God's given me this. It's going to be awesome. Unlike, Not unlike many of us, right? We have a dream from God. But his circumstances do not line up with the promise whatsoever, right? I'm supposed to be king, but I'm either going to be king or dead because I'm in a cave hiding and The current king wants to take me out. I mean, talk about disillusionment in a nutshell right there. I mean, so he begins this psalm, and he's like, God, help me out. Have mercy. I'm in the midst of lions out here. This is bad news. This doesn't make sense. What's going on? Um, And in this really difficult moment, a moment that we could all identify with, right, it's so easy to go on and on about the negatives, right, to focus on. The, the, the thing, the issue, the struggle, what's going on in our lives, right? And I feel like that's something that we all have to wrestle against in our own lives. When something comes that's contradictory to the promise of God or just a difficult circumstance, whatever it may be, it's so easy to be pulled to the negative side, right? Albert Einstein says, be careful of negative people for they have a problem for every solution, right? Negativity is contagious, If you look in the world today, it's easy to have a negative outlook on the direction that things are going, right? Um, I mean, think about it. He's in a dark cave. It's hot. It smells, I'm sure. I mean, this is real life, right? This is before a lot of, you know, LED flashlights (laughs) and toilet paper, right? So David's struggling, right? But in the midst of this struggle in the psalm, right, he turns his heart towards God, right? And this is a decision that he makes, To give God praise despite this circumstance, right? He turns his heart towards God. And in the midst of the problem, it's not easy to choose what he chose to do. It's a discipline, right? It's an act of discipline. I feel like there's multiple spiritual disciplines. and, And one of them that we don't talk about is the decision to worship. The decision to be thankful. The decision that even though our circumstance doesn't line up with the promise, right? To God hasn't changed. He's the same. I will glorify you. And guess what? We all have things in our life where we can look back and see where he's been faithful, where he's been good, where he's provided for us, where he's shown us his love and his mercy and his kindness. And that stuff stays the same no matter what. So in our own circumstances, right, whether it's sickness, finances, our relational struggles, right, whatever it may be, I feel like this is a good psalm to turn to. It's almost like a formula, right? First, he's he's crying out to God. He's acknowledging, God, this is who you are. But I got a problem, right? He's stating the problem, right? These guys want to kill me. I'm in a cave full of lions. It's, It's scary stuff. But then he remembers who God is. God, you've been so good. You've done this. And he states these the works of God in his life, right? He begins to have his perspective changed. And then he exalts God for who he is. He doesn't just acknowledge what God's done. He praises God for that. And then he kind of comes back around. He states his problem again. But, you know, they dug a pit for me, right? They're trying to snare me. This isn't good news. But then he comes back. He he brings it back to center, and he decides to sing praise and give thanks to God. And in the end, I mean, we know how the story goes, right? He becomes probably the greatest king in the history of Israel. Right? He's the second most human character mentioned in the whole Bible before Jesus. He wrote half the Psalms. Right, David is a central figure in the Bible, in the story. And obviously not a man without struggles, a man without issues in his own life. There's a lot of broken moments in his story. But every time he turns his heart towards God, no matter where he finds himself, no matter he, what circumstance he goes through, he humbles himself before the Lord. He acknowledges who God is. And I feel like... Um, We all have these promises from God, right? And in the journey to see the realization of the promise, we're going to go through seasons where it's the exact opposite of what the promise is. Right? We're supposed to, you know, maybe God's spoken financial, you know, breakthrough over your life. And then you lose your job. You know? I mean, wait a minute. It catches you off guard. It doesn't make sense. But I believe that a key to unlocking the promise of God is to have a thankful heart, right? We're talking about cultivating thankfulness. Despite everything that's saying he's not good, he's not faithful, he's not worthy, we have to choose, to, we have to be disciplined and decide that we're going to acknowledge who he is and give him praise for that, right? David doesn't blame God. He doesn't say, oh, I'll never be king like you said, thanks for nothing, God, you know? No, he chooses to acknowledge the truth of who God is, and then he worships God for that. We have to be steadfast and disciplined to posture ourselves and give him praise no matter what. And then we'll see the promise. I believe that.
1: So I just had this thought. This isn't a fake it till you make it. <laughs> Though in fake it till you make it, I guess you make it eventually. But the fake it when you fake it till you make it, it's about other people, right? It's about what other people are thinking about you. And that's, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, is inside of you. It's speaking to your soul that no matter what situation you're in, you're going to exalt him. You're going to thank him because our reality never negates his truth over our lives. So um, a few years back in 2016, I should have prepared my mother-in-law. <laughs> um, in 2016, Gabe and I had been married for seven years and we hadn't had any children at the time. And um, I remember wanting children so bad. (laughs) Um, I'm a type 1 diabetic, so everything had to be lined up. I had to be as healthy as I could be so that we could carry forth healthy children. Um, And so finally, we're at this place. And previous to that, I just want to speak to the baby dedications. In case there's anybody here who found themselves in a similar situation that I was in, I remember baby dedications being horribly painful. I remember going through the story of Hannah in the Bible over and over and over, um, in those in, during baby dedications, so that you know that you're seen, know that that we you are cared for, you are related to, um, in those moments. Sorry, an aside. So we had been married for seven years, and this is prior to Judah, um, and we had just found out we were pregnant. <laughs> So it's 2016, it was the fall, and we were around 12 to 13 weeks pregnant, and I was on my way to one of the first big ultrasounds. We were just days away from the big Facebook announcement, you know, making it real (laughs) to the world. And so I was on my way to Syracuse because I had to be seen by a high-risk doctor, and my mother-in-law was with me. And they were specifically looking for neural tube issues um, because that can be a common problem for when mothers have type 1 diabetes. So that is what we were going to rule out at the time. And I knew what I was supposed to see, right? You're supposed to see a little jumping beam jumping all around. And then I knew what I was seeing. And the two didn't line up. And the ultrasound tech says to me, so how far along did you say you were? And I told her. And in my gut, I knew this is not trending the right way. (laughs) And so she goes, eventually she says, okay, I need to go get the doctor. And y'all know what that means when when they say that. Bad news is on its way. <laughs> and I remember we waited, and the doctor came in, and she said exactly what we were dreading. And I remember as I sat up, hearing in my, like, spirit, I guess, he is faithful. Now, that is not how I was feeling whatsoever. Um, and so, I heard very clearly he is faithful, and I sat up, and I turned, and I cried to my mother-in-law. She was on the side over here, and then I went to the bathroom because I liked to be alone in those moments, and I cried, and then we left, and we went home, and this was on a Friday, and that Sunday, we went to church. (laughs) Gabe was on the stage, and I remember very clearly being over here, and the song that the worship team, one of the songs that the worship team played that day was King of My Heart. And you probably are very familiar with that song. We still do it. And the bridge in that song says, will you just sing it?
0: So you all are
1: familiar with the song we're talking about. Okay, so y'all, <laughs> I'm standing over there and my flesh felt let down. And I remember in that moment, and actually I remember our good friend Joe Hazelton messaging afterwards, I remember in that moment I had a choice. And I'm not saying I have it all together because there's tons of moments where I'm just, it's not pretty, right? But in this moment I knew I had a choice and I remember dancing. <laughs> and I remember just feeling this overwhelming sense of I just need to praise. And I have found in the, over the years that when I do the opposite of what my flesh feels like doing, that is when I find breakthrough, right? So I'm dancing, whatever. But it's in those moments that we have to make a choice about what our reality is saying and what his truth says. Now, we have to lament. We have to lay it at his feet. And then we have to choose to look up to him, to his face. So lament, (laughs) it's a word we use quite a bit. Um, There's actually a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. And to lament, when I looked it up, I was actually surprised a little bit about what it meant. It means to mourn loudly. It means to wail, to cry out in grief, to express sorrow and regret. So your song can be a song of lament. It can be a song of brokenness, of weariness, of depression. It doesn't always have to sound happy. He's not afraid to hear your song. He can handle, he isn't surprised by any situation we are going through. So he can handle whatever it is that we lay at his feet. So it doesn't always look like dancing and singing. It may look like lament, like wailing. But here's the kicker, right? But with the choice to not allow ourselves to be consumed by our pain, but with a conscious choice to look up to him, to release our pain to the Lord. And when we do that, we allow for a divine exchange to take place. So in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the New King King James Version says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So this is what Jesus um, read in the temple the first day of his public ministry. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus coming to earth. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console the, those who mourn in Zion. And this is what I really want you to listen into. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. Oh, I just I love that. The oil of joy. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So a garment, it says a garment of praise. So what is a garment of praise, right? When we are suffering, when we are grieving, when we are in pain, you probably have felt this. You feel heavy. Physically, you feel heavy. Almost like you're wearing some sort of heavy garment, right? And a garment of praise is when we choose to look at Jesus during our pain, he's able to make what I said earlier, a divine exchange It's an exchange, a restoration for something new that leads to rejoicing. When we choose to worship, despite how we feel, our emotions, our pain, we are allowing for healing to take place. We are cultivating the soil of our souls for thanksgiving to spring forth in praise. So I want to go back to verse 3. It says, we become trees of righteousness. Now, I really like I really appreciate the New Living Translations version of this. It says, they will be great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Great oaks, guys. Great oaks. (laughs) Not saplings that blow away in the wind or are crushed by the seasons of life, but great oaks that withstand all seasons planted for his glory. Ah, so good.
0: Uh, So just another quick personal story here Um, so this is July 22nd and this is 2018 I believe now Um, it was a Sunday morning we'd gone to church and then we come home had lunch and we got a phone call Um, and uh, one of my best friends friend to a lot of people here Adam Capron had passed away suddenly of a heart attack he was actually in church when it happened extremely traumatic experience, and if you knew Adam, he was a true friend, he was an amazing man, he just found a way to be your best friend, whoever you were, he just had a heart that was bigger than, um, I remember there was a time where he had a phone that actually tallied how many text messages he sent to each person, (laughs) and he told me, he said, your thread has more messages than my girlfriend, who became his bride later on down the road, so just a guy that even today, I find myself thinking of things that I wish I could talk to him about, a very, very dear friend. And So when you're navigating grief and trauma, right, um, there's nothing that – I mean, trauma is a real thing, right? It's a real thing. It's very serious. And in those moments of confusion and pain, um, I mean, the loss will just hit you incredibly hard. I mean, Kristen just – she fell apart in my arms. I mean, we just cried. A long time. First you want to deny it right you don't even want to believe it's real. but when that reality hits you, that loss, it hits you, um, it's I feel like moments of trauma can be turning points for us, right We can like the' real big stakes in the ground when we have a choice to make um, because I believe that the enemy wants to try to go after our confession in those moments. right He targets us in those moments. We are vulnerable when we're experiencing trauma and and grief and deep heartache. And those are moments where it's easy for him to turn what we believe about God around, right? You know, he's not good. Look what just happened. You really think a good God would take that person from you? You really think a good God would allow that diagnosis to happen or this relationship to fall apart or whatever it may be? There's circumstances in all of our lives that we can relate to. It's extremely counterintuitive to maybe what you even think of who God is and his character is and the enemy wants to he wants to get in there right he wants to steal our confession he wants to turn us away from God in those moments and I just remember the next Sunday um I was scheduled I was doing worship and here on the stage and every single song we sang had lyrics right that were counterintuitive to how I felt right um we sang faithful to the end right it's like not a day you weren't by my side. Well, guess what? When your best friend is killed, you don't feel like God's by your side in that moment. You just don't, right? We sang that same song, "King of My Heart." You're never gonna let me down. Okay, sure, right? Um, take courage. Stay fed, steadfast. He's never failing, right? It, it feels like the, something. There was a breakdown. The failure happened, right? It didn't make sense, um, but we stood on this stage. And we sang, every single person was, I mean, Adam was part of the worship team at one point. He was on the sound team. He was very close to every single one of us. I remember moments just being overcome with emotion, trying to minister and sing, and just the Lord working it out in my life in that very moment. Because that's a day when you want to call in sick and just stay home, right? You don't want to do anything, much less try to lead other people when you're at the lowest point almost in your own life. Um, And Jeremiah Jeremiah 17, verse 14, this is the message version. It says, God, pick up the pieces. Put me back together again. You are my praise. Um, and I just feel like worship, I mean, it doesn't mean that we deny the pain and suffering we're experiencing. Those things are real. We need to work through those things. But worship is an opportunity to do just that, right? As we like say, sing our lament, sing our pain, sing those things back to the Lord, we get to take a moment. And we have to choose not to allow that pain to consume us, right? That's our, the choice we're making. But instead, we get to be consumed with the goodness of God, right? And I can recount multiple instances in my life where I've had to do just that, right? Where I had to make the choice, sit in my room on my guitar by myself, singing, whatever it is, you know, just getting to a place where I could allow my pain to be released to the Lord. And I'd encourage all of you that that's okay. That's an okay thing to do, you know, because the enemy wants to go after us. I mean, we war not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. This is a spiritual war that we're in. And when trauma comes, because life happens, things are going to happen to all of us. No one gets through this life unscathed, which is maybe a harsh thing to say, but it's just reality of the human condition and the broken world that we live in. We're all going to go through those difficult seasons and have hard things happen to us, but that doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change the goodness that he has for us. It doesn't negate the promises that he has and all that his character represents. And we get to choose to give it back to him, to release our pain to him and allow his goodness to come into our lives. And, you know, we all these circumstances are opportunities where the, he wants to take you out of the church, he wants to rob you of your destiny. The enemy wants to steal your confession. But we can... Come against him with our confession of the goodness of God in those hard moments.
1: So a few years back, I was listening to a message by Pastor Bill Johnson. Um, he's a pastor of Bethel Church in Redding, California, and his dad had just died. And he was doing, or he was preaching a message about a sacrifice of praise and what that is. And a few weeks ago, um, one of our worship leaders, Sarah Lejam, touched on this, and it was wonderful. It gave us a really great definition in pa- Bill Johnson's message he talks about how here on earth we have and it doesn't feel like an opportunity but it is we have the opportunity to give to the father something that we will never be able to do once we're in heaven once all pain all suffering every tear has been wiped um, once we're in heaven with him we can no longer do this and actually even the angels can't do this and that's to bring a sacrifice of praise when we're in those moments when our circumstance looks awful we have the choice to bring him our sacrifice. We have the choice to say, God, even though my situation is awful, you are good. Um, and we, we're talking a lot about worship here at, at church is what we've been really talking about a whole lot. But I want to say this, too. When you're in these situations, He is he's with you at home. So this can look like laying on your couch and just resting with him sleeping taking a nap um just inviting him when you when you're worshiping you're inviting him into your circumstance um so a couple years back my dad um had cancer and we were in the height of the pandemic so all the protocols were still in place there was no vaccine at the time um everybody was Scattered, <laughs> um, and he for the the he passed away in December or January of that year. But the months leading up to his death, I would say were living hell. He we watched him slowly deteriorate, lose um, function in his ability to do things, um, his ability to just understand who was around, and a lot of you have experienced this as well, so you know what I'm talking about. But um, I remember. When he passed away, we weren't able to have a wake, and we did get to have a funeral, um, but the receiving line, we weren't allowed to give anyone hugs or, you know, all the things that you need (laughs) during those times, and then um, we went home, and people were sending food, and we were so thankful, but there's no one to eat it because nobody came. People didn't come over, right? Um, So I remember that was, the funeral was on a Saturday, and the next day, I was desperate to come here (laughs) we um at the time our children weren't coming to church Gabe so Gabe stayed home and I was desperate to come here and I can tell you right now I did not raise my hands I probably didn't even sing I definitely didn't dance but I showed up and sometimes that's what it looks like it looks like just making the choice to show up um And to just, and I probably cried through the whole service, but I was bringing him my sacrifice of praise. How it looked like for me in that moment didn't look like how it might look on a different Sunday. But it's still praise. It's still choosing to set our eyes on him. Um, So with that said, I was still sad. I was incredibly sad for, I'd say, two years. I was a wreck for a while. (laughs) Um, But to heal, to move forward, I had to seek Jesus. I had to find him in those situations. I actually had to find him in the situation when my father passed away in our childhood home, right? And so in Philippians 4-7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which means we have to give up that right to wanting to understand, it will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus.
0: So um, right now, I I guess we're just going to have a moment. And um, if you'd like to stand with us. If this is speaking to you this morning and you really feel like there's some things that you need to release to the Lord or if you feel like, I guess really anything, if you need healing in your body or you need ministry or maybe we're talking about all this stuff and you don't even know who Jesus is this morning. um, We're going to have an opportunity of response this morning. The band's going to play a song in a few moments. Um, But I'd encourage you to come to the front. If you um, even are just asking for God to help you, Give me the strength to make this choice in my circumstance, in my hard season of life, in my dark time. When I want to run the other way, when the enemy is trying to go after my confession and take me out, Lord, help me to have the strength to make this choice. Give me the discipline to do the right thing. If, if you're struggling in this moment, you want just an impartation of his, of his strength and his, um, just the ability to do that. Maybe come forward. We'll have people here to minister. But... Um, there's just one more thing that we want to do, and Chris is going to walk us through this. And I just really feel like this is a moment where God wants to help shift our perspective and put our eyes on him because he wants to work through this this morning.
1: So as you're praying, you're seeking, and you're waiting, something practical to, you can do. So I have a good friend who has taught me that sometimes it helps to just have a picture. Um, so I'm going to give you my picture. If you have your own picture, picture that. <laughs> But if you were at a worship night a few weeks ago, you you did this with me then. Um, But it's something that you're probably going to need to to continually do because life happens. So while I'm praying, I'm seeking, and I'm waiting, something that I like to do. So we close our eyes. So I invite you, if you'd like, to close your eyes. And the first thing I always picture is the veil. So the veil... In the old testament kept people from the presence of god but when jesus died on the cross that veil was ripped in half it was torn and now we have the opportunity to enter in through the veil into his presence where the word says there's fullness of joy so i enter through this veil and i picture the throne room now my picture is nowhere near as good as revelations but it's what my brain can wrap itself around So I enter into the throne room where there's fullness of joy. And in front of me, I picture the father. And he's sitting down (laughs) and I only ever see his knees down. And he's just gigantic and he's wearing a a white robe and I see his his knees down. And over on the right side is Jesus. And for me, I picture what we would see maybe on the chosen. (laughs) So there's Jesus. And over here is the Holy Spirit. I've asked for a picture of him. I haven't received anything. It's just more of a knowing that he's there. But I will say, I heard a message a few years ago by my Karen. And he says, the Holy Spirit looks like you. It looks like us. Because when we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into us. So I don't know. Maybe you want to picture yourself. But for me, it's just a knowing that he's there. So there's the Father. There's Jesus. There's the Holy Spirit. And then all around are angels. And the word says, they're singing. They're singing. Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All blessing, honor, power, and glory to him forever. So I picture myself going in, and I go right to Jesus, and I lay at his feet, and whatever it is I'm carrying, so oftentimes for me, it's fear. (laughs) Um, For a few years, I carried extreme grief. Um, But whatever it is that you're carrying today, I want you to picture yourself at Jesus' feet, laying it all out. Now, I know that it's not easy to let those things go. But we clench onto our pain, our hurt so tightly. So if it takes you a while, if it takes you time after time after time, it's okay. But I want you to picture yourself at his feet, lamenting. It might be a wail, <laughs> a crying out. But lay it there. But don't don't end there. Then look up. Look up to his face. Look up to his goodness, his faithfulness, his kindness. And in that place, with thankfulness, just start to praise. Thank him for what he has done, even though our present reality might not look like the truth. Praise him for who he is. He deserves all the glory, all the honor.
0: Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.